Chapter 15 of History of England in Words of One Syllable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Catherine Phipps. History of England in Words of One Syllable by Helen W. Pearson. Chapter 15 Mary. Edward the Sixth was but nine years old at the death of King Henry the Eighth, and he was made king at once. He was a mild boy and fond of his book, but he was so young that of course he had to have men to rule for him. Those who were near kin to him and those who taught him were Protestants, so there were laws made by which all the English were told that they must be Protestants too. The Bible was read by all, and those who stood up to preach in church had to pray in English and not in Latin. The king was to be held as head of the church, the priests could take wives, and all who were in jail were set free. For all these things, the reign of Edward the Sixth is thought to have been a good one for England. But there were some wrong things done in this reign. The Duke of Somerset, who had all the say, as the young king was in his care, took troops into Scotland and beat the Scots at the fight of Pinkie. Then Somerset said he would make peace if they would give their young Queen Mary to be Edward's wife when he was grown. But Mary's kin were Catholics, and they said she should not wed a Protestant, so they sent her off to France. Some of the English soon grew to hate Somerset for his pride, and they made the young king think ill of him. He had torn down more than one church and grand house to build a fine home, which still stands in the same place and bears the name of Somerset House. Now there was one who was as near kin to the king as Somerset, and who thought he ought to have all the rule in the land. This was Lord Seymour of Sudley, a brave but a bad man. Somerset had him put to death, but soon his foes got the king to sign for his death too. The poor boy had a kind heart, and did not like to sign such things. And though the great lords did not love Somerset, the mass of the folk did, and there was great grief when it was known that he was to die. He had been kind to them, and had made laws that were good for England, and they felt he was their friend. Somerset bore his fate like a brave man, said a few kind words to those who were in tears for him, and then laid his head on the block. The young king was not strong, and by this time it grew plain to his friends that he had not long to live. He had a sad, lone sort of life, spite of his crown, for there were few to love him, and those most near to him by blood did not seem to care for him. He grew more and more weak, and they took him to this place and that for change of air. Now the one who was to reign in England, in case Edward should die, was the Princess Mary, who was, as you know, the child of Henry the Eighth and Catherine of Aragon, and she was a papist, so that all the Protestants were full of fear for their cause. The Duke of Northumberland, whose name had been Earl of Warwick, had a son who was wed to a young girl near kin to the king. These young folks were both Protestants, and Northumberland thought there might be a chance for the young wife, Lady Jane Grey, to have the crown of England when Edward was dead. Then, as she was wed to his son, he would rule in her name. So he stayed with the young king while he was ill, and got him to make a will by which he left the crown to Lady Jane Grey. Edward did not live long, and his death was a sad blow to the English. He was so mild and good, and took such pains to do what he thought right, that all the land had hopes that they would have in him a good and wise king. 
but it was the will of God that he should die, and his last words were to ask God to save England and to keep pure the true faith. In two days, Lady Jane Grey was said to be queen in London, but the friends of Lady Mary held fast to her and all knew that she was the right queen. There were some who would have been glad to have had the Lady Jane, for she was young and fair and wise, and she was a Protestant. But the English had great fear of Northumberland, and they knew he would rule them if his son's wife were to be queen. So one and all of Northumberland's friends left him and took the part of Lady Mary, and the Lady Jane, who knew that a great wrong had been done in her name, went back to her home with a glad heart. She had borne the name of Queen ten days. There she might have spent her life in peace, but for the plots of Northumberland. Queen Mary had brought back the Papist rites. The folks had to pray in Latin once more, and the Pope was said to be the head of the church. Some of the English did not like this, and the Protestants felt still more fear when they found that Queen Mary was to wed Philip of Spain, for he was a fierce Papist, grim and hard, and all Protestants had great fear of him. Sir Northumberland thought he might raise friends to fight for the Lady Jane, but Mary soon put them down and had his head cut off. All the chief men who had been with him met a like fate. Then the Queen felt she would not be safe on her throne while the Lady Jane and Lord Guildford Dudley should live. So she sent them to the Tower and kept them there shut up for eight months. Then she said that they must both be brought to the block. The Lady Jane had been taught with the young King Edward and she was like him in her kind, sweet ways. But she had been more quick to learn, and read and wrote both Latin and Greek, and all the tongues in use at that day. She could paint, too, and play. When Northumberland first sought to make her claim the crown, she would not, for, she said, she had no right to it. But at last, with much words, they got her to let them set up a claim for her. When she found that she must die, she was calm. She wrote to her friends to take leave of them, and she had to see through the bars of her cell Lord Guildford Dudley, her young spouse, led out to his death. As she still knelt there to pray, she saw his corpse brought back in a cart. Poor young thing, her fate was hard. When they led her out, she had kind words to say to all near her. The one who kept the tower, as he led her out to her doom, said, I pray thee. Give me a small thing to keep for thy sake. And she gave him a book in which she wrote in Greek, in Latin, and in English. She said to all that she had meant no wrong. Then she laid her fair young head on the block. The new queen soon grew so harsh that the English gave her the name of Bloody Mary. She would not let the word of God be read. She made the priests send off their wives and did all she could to bring back the Roman Catholic Church. All who would not do as she chose were put to death. On one day there were near three score of the first men of the land hung, and their heads were stuck on poles in the streets. She sent Elizabeth to jail, and for a time there was fear for her life, but her friends got her to a safe place. Then Mary was wed to Philip II, King of Spain, and the English did not like him. He was not kind to the Queen, who had lost the charm of youth, and he did all he could to make her hate the Protestants. The Queen and King knelt to the Cardinal, who was sent to them from Rome, and said it was a great sin that England had done when she had cast off the Pope's rule. So at last the Pope said that England might come back to the true faith. The two men who did the most to help the Queen bring back England to the old creed were Gardiner and Bonner. 
They thought the true way was to burn up all who would not think as they did. The first one burnt was a good man by the name of Rogers. They sent him to the great square at Smithfield, and he was bound to the stake and a fire lit round him. His wife met him with her ten boys and girls, and there they took leave of him with tears. The next one to die was Dr. Hooper, Bishop of Gloucester. With his last breath he said, I thank God that I have had the strength to speak the truth. Bishop Latimer was one of the Protestants. He was an old man, but Queen Mary would not spare him, and sent him with a friend of his, by the name of Bishop Ridley, to the stake. They spoke words of love and cheer to all as the flames came to them, and their death did much to make their friends more strong in the faith. Next came the wise and good Archbishop Cranmer. He was a mild man, and his fears made him seek to live. He wrote to Queen Mary and pled for his life. But though he did vow that he would be a papist if she would spare him, she sent him to be burnt. When they had bound him to the stake, he was seen to stretch out his right hand in the flame, that it might burn first, for he said that hand had done false work, in that it wrote through fear what he did not mean. He kept up a brave heart through the fire, and was heard to pray to God and praise him. The way in which he bore his death made all feel for him, and there was a light lit in England that day, which did not soon go out. Queen Mary went to war with France to please Philip but she lost the day and the French took back Calais. Her death came in the same year in which she lost Calais, and she had been queen but five years. She said when she was dead, they would find the word Calais on her heart. Its loss had been such a grief to her. End of chapter 15